0: Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. Carshield.com slash Shapiro. That's Carshield.com slash Shapiro. Today on the Matt Wall Show, peaceful pro-life
1: activists have just been convicted of federal crimes and now face a decade in prison. This is part of a wide-reaching campaign of political persecution against conservative activists. We'll talk about it. Also, some segments of the right have decided to wage war against Taylor Swift, Is that a smart political play, and is Taylor Swift a deserving target in the first place? And a millionaire tech bro says that we can defeat death and live forever in a progressive utopia. We'll analyze that claim today and much more on The Matt Walsh Show.
0: Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. carshield.com slash Shapiro. That's carshield.com slash Shapiro. In
1: the first week of October 2022, 100 days after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, Joe Biden held a highly publicized meeting with his so-called Reproductive Rights Task Force in the state dining room of the White House. At the meeting, Biden announced a plan to subvert The Supreme Court's ruling to the extent that he could. He instructed Congress to pass legislation that would prevent any state from banning abortion. He also announced millions of dollars in federal funds to promote abortion and threaten legal consequences for any university that tried to punish a student for killing her child. What Joe Biden didn't announce is that as he spoke, his enforcers in the DOJ were planning a shock and awe style raid designed to intimidate and punish pro-life activists. And just hours after the meeting of Joe Biden's task force at 7 a.m. on October 5th, a team of heavily armed FBI agents arrived at Centerville, Tennessee, home of Paul Vaughn. One of the agents apparently delighted in telling one of Vaughn's children, who was waiting for him to drive them to school, that their father was going to jail. And indeed, agents arrested Paul Vaughn in front of his children, hauled him away as they refused to answer any of his wife's questions. Here's some of the, the footage that she recorded from that morning. Watch.
2: But if you're not going to let me, then I'll just... No, I'll I want to know why you were banging on my door with a gun. <laughs>
3: oh, you're not going to tell me anything? No, do not. you not. I, I, I tried. Ma'am. No, you didn't. Yes, I did You did not try.
2: not acceptable
3: can i have your name you're not going to give me your name you're not going to give me any information
1: Okay, so you see there multiple cars full of federal agents and bulletproof vests, uh, their weapons out. You know, it's like it's like they're going to arrest, you know, some sort of cartel affiliated drug uh, lord or something like that. But what was Paul Vaughn's crime? What did he do? Well, as I mentioned on the show yesterday, a full year and a half before that FBI raid in March of 2021, Paul Vaughn participated in a protest at an abortion facility in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, along with several other pro-life activists. And these activists sang and prayed uh, and sat in a hallway outside of the facility. Local police arrived. They told these activists to leave. The activists refused. Uh, This was civil disobedience. So a handful of them were arrested for misdemeanor trespassing because that's what it was. Now, to add some dark irony to the situation... One of the protesters was booked for contributing to the delinquency of a minor because the protester brought a child to the demonstration. So taking your kid to pray and sing at an abortion facility is contributing to their delinquency, but killing your kid at the abortion facility is fine, apparently. And This is in Tennessee, a state that's controlled for the most part by the Republican Party. Interestingly enough, Paul Vaughn himself wasn't arrested by local police that day because he was outside. He was not inside. He was functioning mainly as a liaison between the police and the demonstrators. They didn't see any reason to arrest him because he wasn't even trespassing in the hallway. He was outside. And really, the whole situation was obviously overblown anyway. At a press conference following the arrest, a reporter asked the police spokesman why they were bothering to clog the court system with trivial trespassing cases like this. It wasn't exactly the crime of the century. Everybody knew it. In case you need a reminder, uh, and just to see what what happened and what led to those uh, armed federal agents showing up at someone's door to arrest them in front of their children? Uh, here's what the protest looked like. <laughs> So that was it. That's what they did. That was the whole, That's the whole thing. They sat there and they sang, and uh, that's all they did. And watching these people praying and singing, the Biden administration saw an opportunity, apparently. They decided to make an example out of Paul Vaughn and everyone else who participated at the abortion facility protest. And in all, the DOJ arrested 11 people for participating in that demonstration, including an 87-year-old Holocaust survivor named Eva, uh, Eva Edel, And they charge these protesters with violations of the Federal Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, or FACE Act, which carries penalties of up to a decade in prison. Now, there was never any way to justify this charging decision, even using the standards of Joe Biden's Attorney General Merrick Garland. Prior to the arrest, Garland stated under oath in the Senate, quote, we prosecute without respect to ideology, but we do focus on the most violent acts, the most dangerous actors, and the cases most likely to lead to danger to most Americans. Well, no part of that statement was true, as it turns out. Not only does the DOJ prosecute explicitly on the basis of ideology, but they're also focusing on the least violent and least dangerous acts imaginable, namely sitting and praying in front of an abortion facility. They're focusing on people who they know pose no threat to the community whatsoever. This is their strategy, and it appears to be working. Yesterday, a federal jury uh, convicted these six pro-life activists, including Paul Vaughn, of face act violations, as well as engaging in a conspiracy against rights. The jury apparently agreed with the DOJ that Paul Vaughn and another demonstrator, simply by negotiating with police, simply by being there, were really engaging in a delaying tactic. And therefore, they're just as guilty as the demonstrators in the hallway. And now all of these defendants are facing hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines, which would bankrupt their families, and up to a decade in prison, which of course is even worse. Now, unfortunately, in the federal system, cameras aren't allowed in the courtroom, so we can't show you video footage of what the prosecutor said. But we do know, because of a reporter from the Daily Wire named Alif Le Mayhu, that uh, in closing arguments, the prosecutor stated that, and as I mentioned this yesterday, that that, and this is a very important point that I haven't seen very many people pick up on. The prosecutor said that these demonstrators were not, in fact, peaceful protesters simply by virtue of the fact that they committed a crime. Quoting from the Daily Wire, during her final statements to the jury, Assistant U.S. Attorney Amanda Klopf likened the actions of the six pro-lifers to that of a group of people attempting to convince someone not to vote and blocking the entrance of a polling station. She said that, quote, something is not peaceful if laws are broken. That is what Joe Biden's Assistant U.S. Attorney said. Her argument is that all crimes are inherently violent simply by virtue of the fact that they involve breaking the law. Now, whatever we think of that reasoning, it's obviously insanely inconsistent with Joe Biden's own stated goal to release, quote unquote, nonviolent offenders from jail. According to his U.S. attorney, there's no such thing as a nonviolent offender. That's why Biden pardoned all those uh, marijuana offenders, supposedly. It's also why the DOJ paid out a massive settlement to those BLM rioters who occupied uh, Lafayette Square near the White House, even though some of them threw frozen water bottles and rocks at police officers. It's why the DOJ dropped more than a third of the criminal cases against BLM rioters who sieged a uh, courthouse in Portland. We're told all these offenders were nonviolent, even though they were actually violent. It's like they weren't violent enough, and so they they count as nonviolent. And in their cases, it's nonviolent, so it doesn't matter. So it's only when you pray silently outside of an abortion facility that you go to prison as effectively a violent uh, uh, you know, offender. Like, effectively, that was an act of violence, according to the U.S. attorney. So, there's no denying that this argument from Joe Biden's DOJ is ridiculously hypocritical, but that's not the point, really. I mean, it, like, everyone knows that these people are hypocrites. The point is that under the U.S. Constitution, the government isn't allowed to be hypocritical when it comes to enforcing the law. We have something called the Equal Protection Clause, we have due process. And if that means anything, it's that the government can't selectively enforce laws depending on which ideology it wants to punish. That's the problem here. Now, yes, the people who gathered outside the hallway, uh, in, or inside the hallway rather, uh, they did violate the letter of the FACE Act law. You know, they apparently convinced someone not to kill their baby that day and go home instead, and and which is which is a great moral victory. I mean, there's a human being who will live. And walk this earth because of, of these people. But according to the law, that's that's a crime. You can't do that. You can't save lives that way. It's not, you know, it's, it's, it's better to just let the baby die. So these peaceful activists violated federal law. But that law happens to be atrocious and unconstitutional for many reasons. One of which is that the law is being unevenly enforced to an extreme degree. You know, the White House isn't even attempting to hide this. Joe Biden announced his pardon of nonviolent marijuana users marijuana users, literally a day after the FBI uh, raided Paul Vaughn's home. Just, you know, just to underscore the message that, he, that he's sending, I guess. They are absolving one class of nonviolent criminals while hunting down another class of nonviolent criminals like they're an Al-Qaeda cell. And by the way, the, the, the FACE Act also is supposed to protect uh, uh, pregnancy centers, pro-life pregnancy centers. Supposedly, it's supposed to protect them too. And yet you have organized efforts across the country, especially in, in the wake of, uh, of Dobbs, where these pro-life pregnancy centers were being targeted violently, set on fire. And there's basically no attempt to track any of the people who did that down. I mean, most of the people responsible for that have not seen a day in jail and never will. And those are actual terrorists. But these people that were sitting in the hallway are not terrorists or even close to it. These pro-lifers, a collection of elderly retirees and parents with young children were engaged in an act of nonviolent civil disobedience. Sending these demonstrators to prison for 11 years for the civil disobedience, which harm no one and cause no damage to property is both cruel and obviously unjust. Now maybe it could be explained on some theoretical level if the administration had established a precedent of bringing the hammer down on everyone who violates the law for the sake of making a political point. You know, if, if that's like the precedent they've set that if you engage in civil disobedience, if you do commit any crime at all, trespassing any crime to, to, to make a political point, we gonna, we're gonna throw every charge at you we possibly can. I still wouldn't be okay with that. At least there'd be con- some consistency there, but that obviously is not the case. BLM rioters who torch police stations have gotten a fraction of the time. People who harass harass the Supreme Court justices at their homes haven't even been arrested, to my knowledge. The administration is punishing political disobedience depending on the politics of the people involved. And it's hard to imagine a more Soviet system of justice than this. But it's the approach that the Biden administration is now committed to. They aren't just going after these pro-life demonstrators in Tennessee. They tried to do the same to Mark Houck, who was arrested in September of 2022 for an incident that occurred a year earlier in October of 2021. As you remember, uh, uh, Houck's alleged crime was shoving a volunteer in an abortion facility after the guy started harassing Houck's 12-year-old son. This was such an absurd non-crime that the local police didn't pursue any charges, similar to the case of Paul Vaughn. It's like the exact same sort of situation. Something happened. It was no big deal. Nobody really cared. Uh, there weren't any serious charges being, being leveled by, by local authorities. But then the DOJ comes along months or years later to revive the case. Around the same time that Joe Biden needed to con- convince his base that he's going to wage a domestic war against pro-lifers. And he has. So again, notice the pattern here. An incident happens involving pro-lifers. Nobody thinks it's a big deal. Local law enforcement isn't worried about it. Nobody's harmed. Nobody's harmed. Everyone kind of moves on. Then the federal government comes back around months later and decides to literally make a federal case out of it. So so this is the the very essence of a political witch hunt, in that the federal government is looking for, they're they're pouring through the books and newspaper articles, looking for pro-lifers who've been arrested for trespassing or anything at all, so that they can go and add federal charges and send them to jail for 10 years. That's what they're doing. And there are many more cases like these. For example, there's the case of the five pro-life activists who were convicted by a Washington, D.C. jury last year for FACE Act violations. And one of the activists is a woman named Lauren Handy. Handy began to attract the DOJ's attention when she found the bodies of five uh, uh, babies who were about the size of premature born infants um, aborted in a box outside an abortion facility in the D.C. neighborhood of Foggy Bottom. According to Daily Signal, the box also contained over 100 pulverized remains of first trimester babies. But one of the doctors at the clinic, Live Action had previously reported, admitted on a hidden camera that he would allow babies to die if they were accidentally delivered during abortions. He would just leave them there to die. Let's watch. Pregnancy, that's 23, 24
0: weeks. If you're, you know, extra if you if you do everything possible to help it survive, you know there's a maybe a twenty to thirty percent chance that it would survive. If you don't do anything, then the, you know the chances are much much less. Cause I just, like so scared of like sure, having to sure. be stuck no, like well, responsible. You know, so, like would you, you make know? you would you make sure that it like.
3: Yeah, it I mean, doesn't you know, there's, there's things
0: you do. Obviously, you're here for a certain procedure, and if, if your your pregnancy were, let's say, you went into labor, the membrane ruptured, and you delivered before we got to the termination part of the procedure here, you know, then we would do things we we would we would not help it. Okay. Let's, let's say we wouldn't we wouldn't uh, intubate. Let's okay. Say, okay. Right. So
1: it's very clear what he's doing there. He's I mean he's. It's not like you don't have to interpret it. He's directly saying that when a baby is born alive outside of the mother, we have now a live infant, which is which the infant was a live infant before being delivered, but but now a live infant. Everyone can see, and they will just leave the child to die. So Lauren Handy and several others decided to protest this butchery, this this infanticide that's happening. That they have it on tape. He's admitting to it. And they looked into this abortion facility, and of course, D.C. police and the DOJ took the side of the people who are murdering born children. Again, they pursued a 10-year sentence for activists engaged in a peaceful protest. And to give you an idea of how incomprehensible all this is, they don't even treat pro-life, pro-life activists this badly in one of the most godless places on, on the planet, the United Kingdom. Around a year ago, police in Birmingham arrested a woman for praying silently outside of an abortion clinic. But the case was so absurd and so wildly unpopular that within a few months, they apologized to her and they dropped the charges. So even in Britain, that's too far. But in this country, conservatives are just, for the most part, remaining silent as this purge of pro-lifers happens. Barely any pushback. You'll hear more from conservatives about Taylor Swift than you will about this ideologically driven unconstitutional attack on civil liberties in this country. Like, they're dragging our people, these are supposed to be our people, away and throwing them in prison. And what this means is that if these tyrants get another four years in office, there's no doubt that they will ramp up their political persecution. If you feel safe right now and you think, well, you know, I'm not a pro-life activist, I don't have to worry about it. Well, you're going to have to worry about it eventually. Because there's not going to be anyone to stop them. And should that come to pass, especially if you care about things like human life and stopping child sacrifice, then before long, there's a very good chance they'll be knocking on your front door as well. Now let's get to our five headlines. <laughs> If your house is feeling a little bit chilly right now in the thick of winter, you may need to consider window replacements. I get it. For most homeowners, window replacement isn't something they've ever done before, and it may be a bit of a daunting task. Luckily, there's a company that will do the work for you. Renewal by Anderson is your one-stop shop for window design, manufacture, and installation. Windows play a crucial role in regulating indoor temperatures. If you notice a spike in your heating or cooling bills, It may be due to inefficient windows. Don't put it off any longer. Renewal by Anderson offers limited, fully transferable, and best-in-the-nation warranty coverage. Right now, Renewal by Anderson is offering a free in-home consultation on quality, energy-efficient, affordable windows or patio doors with special financing options. Text Walsh to 200-300 for a free consultation to save $375 off every window and $775 off every door. These savings won't last long, so be sure to check it out by texting Walsh to 200-300, that's Walsh, to 200-300. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply stopped, topped out. Go to windowappointmentnow.com for full offer details. All right, big headline on uh, Drudge. Speaking of Taylor Swift, headline is, MAGA Goes to War on Swift. And that links to uh, this Rolling Stone article. Which says, singer-songwriter Taylor Swift hasn't even endorsed President Joe Biden for re-election yet. That hasn't stopped members of maga upper crust from plotting to declare, as one source close to Donald Trump calls it, a holy war on the pop megastar. Especially if she ends up publicly backing the Democrats in the 2024 election. According to three people familiar with the matter, Trump loyalists working on or close to the former president's campaign, longtime Trump allies in right-wing media, and an array of outside uh, advisors to the ex-president have long taken it as a given that swift will eventually endorse biden as she did in 2020 indeed several of these republicans and conservative media figures have discussed the matter with trump over the past few months um he uh, but she hasn't endorsed anyone yet but now they're attacking her okay now this is rolling stone which is a, a propaganda rag uh, that nobody should take seriously and they're quoting unnamed sources around donald trump which historically means that it's 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 nonsense you shouldn't trust it but In this case, we see that this war on Taylor Swift is already playing out. You know, we know that this is happening. It's happening in public. In the past few weeks, conservative commentators have started attacking Taylor Swift um, pretty consistently, and they're saying that her popularity is a psy-op. I mean, this is something you see all over Twitter now. Uh, I've even heard that she's a CIA asset. You know, I think they were talking about that on Fox News a couple nights ago. So it has been um, an all-out, uh, assault metaphorically on Taylor Swift from some corners of the right, at least certainly not everyone or even close to a majority. But let me let me just say a few things about this, and then uh, and then and then uh, I'll move on. First of all, if everything is a psyop, then nothing is a psyop. Okay, we, we we've gotten to a point as conservatives where it's just like every reflexively everything that happens is automatically a psyop, and. Um, the problem is that th- there are psyops that happen, but now when just that is your reflexive reaction to everything, it doesn't mean anything anymore. And and there's no need to postulate a psyop for things that can be easily explained without them. It's kind of been a theme on this show this week. Yeah, there are plenty there are plenty of conspiracy theorists theory, theories that have uh, have validity that are plenty that have been proven true, but if you have something that can be easily explained without a conspiracy theory, then we, 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 you don't need the conspiracy theory. So Taylor Swift's popularity is one of those things, okay? It's not engineered by the CIA or whatever. Millions of girls and women love her music uh, because it resonates with them. They, they like it. I mean, that's it, okay? She, she's an attractive woman who writes songs that other women really like, and that's the whole story. Um, that's why she's popular, right? It, now I don't, I don't get the music. I don't get it personally. It's not my type of music. It doesn't resonate with me. I think her music is dumb. Um, I also think that it's it's gotten worse. Now I'm not, I, I, you know, it's maybe a, a somewhat unfair assessment on my end because I don't really listen. But from a from a thirty thousand foot bird's eye perspective, well, birds wouldn't be thirty thousand feet in the air. Anyway, for ten thousand feet. Um, it seems to me like the music's got, it. like she used to do the pop country, you know, uh, acoustic ballad type music, and, and now it's more of the uh, hooky pop dance stuff that she's doing. So, but anyway, the music isn't for me, and I don't like it, and that's fine. The point is that you don't need to look at Taylor Swift and think to yourself, what's going on here? Who is this person? Why is she all over the TV? There, there must be some sort of conspiracy afoot. How do we explain this? What's happening? No, she just very if you want to know, like before uh, thinking about the CIA and is she a, an asset? Is she just go ask literally any woman under the age of 35 or 40? Like what do people like about Taylor Swift? And she'll tell. Even if she's not a Taylor Swift fan, she'll be able to explain it. She's not gonna be confused. Um she's popular because she's popular. People like her. You know, she she is our Michael Jackson and i don't like michael jackson either but you know it's this this is in the modern uh, age you know we we this is what happens we have pop stars and they become very famous as long as pop music and the entertainment modern entertainment industry has existed there have always been people like that now is taylor swift uh, a big time lib will she vote for biden will she tell other people to vote for biden uh, does she hate trump yes Yes, yes, and yes. You know, of course. So in that way, she's exactly the same as almost anyone else who's even vaguely relevant in the entertainment industry. Um, which is a problem. That's a long-standing problem we have as conservatives. That every single person in the entertainment industry who's even a little bit relevant is a leftist. And we all know that. But that's why I don't get these right-wingers on Twitter who are digging up yeah, I mentioned this today and someone sent me, oh yeah, how do you explain this? And it was, a, it was a, a, a tweet of Taylor Swift from 2020 when she was criticizing Trump. And they're reposting the tweet like, see, you see, she's a leftist. I told, yeah, we know, Like, obviously she is. No one is denying that, of course she is. You don't need, well, you see in 2020, it's, you're saying she's not a CIA asset, but, but then in 2020, She criticized Trump. Can you explain that? What? There's like millions of people in this country who don't like Trump and criticize. Are they all CIA assets? Is that that the only way to explain why a 30-year-old pop star doesn't like Trump? The only way to explain it is that the CIA has gotten to her? I mean, come on. Like, what's the plan here? If you're worried about the sway that Taylor Swift will have over the election, and we, when we talked about this a few days ago, I, I now, they're saying 18% or whatever it was in the poll are saying they'll be more likely to vote if Taylor Swift, they will be more likely to vote for whoever Taylor Swift endorses. I don't think it's really 18%. I hope it's not 18%. That just seems way too high. Um, but she does have a sway over the election. It's not a good thing. I don't like having a political system where pop stars can uh, have a vastly disproportionate impact on the outcome. I don't like that, but that's that's what we have. And my question is, how is obsessively attacking her a smart or effective counter strategy? How is that going to work exactly? So you get a bunch of Fox News boomers all upset about Taylor Swift. And then what? And then what? What's step two? Attacking Taylor Swift is only appealing to, to people who are already hardcore Trump supporters. So no one else, okay? But no Taylor Swift fan is gonna see a right-wing influencer on Twitter criticizing her and go, you know what? That influencer is right. Taylor Swift is terrible. Okay, and that goes for me. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't, I'm not gonna call myself an influencer, I don't like the term. But if I went all, uh, you know, guns a-blazing at Taylor Swift, it doesn't matter. There would not be a single Taylor Swift fan who would hear me say, oh, Taylor Swift, you shouldn't listen to her. None of them are going to hear me say, well, you know, I'm Matt Walsh. I'll go with him on this one. It's not going to happen. It just is not going to happen. So what's the plan? What's the strategy here? What's the win? Um, also, and this to me is the main thing and this is why I find the whole thing annoying, you know, uh, is if I were to compile a list of all of the most objectionable, morally debased, degenerate pop stars who are the most toxic and the most harmful to young minds and are contributing the most to our cultural rot, Taylor Swift would not make the top 50. And if she would make your top 50 list, I, I envy your ignorance. Okay, if you were to make a list, if you personally were to make a list of the most degenerate, most harmful pop stars, and Taylor Swift is in your top five, well, then you are, you are blissfully ignorant of just how bad things are out there. I wish, I wish, I, I wish to God that we lived in a culture where Taylor Swift was one of the worst, uh, most, most objectionable pop stars. I, I wish that was the case. Like, I wish we had the luxury to, to be uh, complaining about her. I wish. But it's not the case, okay? She, she's not even close. I mean, she she doesn't, she's not close to the top 50. Her, her music is downright wholesome compared to all of the other pop music that exists, almost all of it. Like, she writes songs pretty much, what does she write about? She writes about uh, falling in love and breaking up. She writes songs about breaking up with her boyfriend, okay? And, and, and these, these are classic music themes, okay? Now, sure, it's kind of vapid for a 32-year-old to still be singing about breaking up with her boyfriend like she's in high school, but so What? I mean, do you realize what kind of explicit, overt messaging is in many other mega hit songs? Like, do you realize what it's like the, the, some of the top charting songs for years now, what is in those songs, what those songs are saying, what kids are listening to and repeating and singing along to? You've got someone like Sexy Red or whatever, you know, outwardly telling women to be whores and glorifying drug use and crime and gang violence and so on and so on. And, and, and Taylor Swift is who we're worried about. It's like if, it's like if you decided that the, the, the worst thing that kids watch on their screens are 1990s Disney movies. Instead of, you know, hardcore pornography. Okay? It's like if you were going through uh, a kid's book, your kid's book bag and you found a, a, a pack of bubblegum. And you also found a crack pipe, and then you were like, "Hey, what is this?" I told you we don't chew gum in this house. Too much sugar. It's like, I, if everything else is going well with your kid, then you could complain about the the bubble gum. But if you got the crack, then that's, that probably should be the headline here. I don't know if uh, I don't know if you have room or the luxury as a parent to be worried about the bubble gum. And I think, it's, speaking of pornography, that's what a lot of pop, modern pop music is. It's like, it's pornographic. It's full-on pornographic. It's basically Fifty Shades of Grey, but set to music and aimed at middle schoolers and with an added dose of thuggery and crime glorification. And Taylor Swift is the villain on Fox News, though. Um, right, she uses very little profanity. She, she doesn't make, for the most part, explicit songs. Keeps her clothes on, for the most part, by pop music standards. Keeps her clothes on. Uh, one of the top charting songs of the last two years, you may remember, featured a woman with face tattoos describing in detail her bodily orifices. In fact, there have been, that's, that is a common theme now in pop music. There have been multiple hit songs that have, that have had that same theme. Okay? And so these are the kinds of degenerate creeps we have making music. That like twelve year olds are listening to, and yet Taylor Swift singing about breaking up with her boyfriend is the thing that we're that we uh, are concerned about. I just, uh, what are we doing? What are we doing, guys? Um, all right. What is Cory Bush doing? Uh, NBC News has the report. The Justice Department is investigating Representative Cory Bush for her campaign spending on security services. She confirmed uh, this in a statement on Tuesday. We are fully cooperating in the investigation. As a former Black Lives Matter organizer and high-profile progressive on Capitol Hill, Bush has faced what she called relentlessly relentless threats to my physical safety and life since her election in 2020. But now, according to uh, they're investigating whether she is um, you you know using uh, She's illegally funding these security services. So here she is um, addressing this, uh, this controversy and, of course, shifting the blame, as you might expect. Listen to that.
3: I hold myself, my campaign, and my position to the highest levels of integrity. I also believe in transparency, which is why I can confirm that the Department of Justice is reviewing my campaign spending on security services. We are fully cooperating with this investigation, and I would like to take this opportunity to outline the facts and the truth. Since before I was sworn into office, I have endured relentless threats to my physical safety and life. As a rank-and-file member of Congress, I am not entitled... Who cares?
1: Why are we even watching that? I don't know. Uh, so she addresses it. She denies it, uh, as, as you might expect. But just to go down memory lane, I think this is the more interesting thing to watch with Cory Bush, is that uh, because her... Uh, personal security needs, her alleged personal security needs, have been a topic of conversation going back years now. So after gaining some prominence early on in her political career uh, by pushing the defund the police movement, it, it, it was revealed that while she's saying get the police out of all these neighborhoods, that she personally has personal security. And here she was back in, I think this was 2020, explaining why even though she doesn't want police for anybody else, she personally needs it. Let's watch.
3: You can't get that off. I'm going to make sure I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life and I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending $200,000, if I spend 10, $10, $10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up and defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets because we're trying to save lives.
1: Yep classic uh, classic Cory Bush there and, and she says suck it up you know just, so, so yeah I, I I don't want your family to be secure and safe but uh, but I need it because I'm much more important than you and this is the way it always goes right it's like always remember when it comes to Democrats they, they will not take their own prescriptions um, they want something for you that they would never want for themselves the Democrat Party is the political equivalent of of the restaurant where employees don't eat the food. You know, it's that kind of thing. They'll serve that slop to you, but they've been in the kitchen and they know what this stuff is made of and 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 they're not eating it. And that's how it is with Democrats. And it's not like that the other way. Because after all, what's what is the left wing knock on conservatives? Well, there's many different knocks, but what's one of the main ones? They say that and I hear this all the time about myself. That we're trying to impose our lifestyle, we're trying to uh, impose our way of living on others, and that, that's not really accurate. But think about what they're admitting in that accusation. They're admitting basically that we practice what we preach, generally speaking, that we are advocating certain things because we sincerely think that it's it's a, a better way to live. Uh, it'll make your life better, and that's what they're admitting. You know, uh, we want to live in communities. That are run by our values. And liberals don't. Now they'll stay in their communities. But they are constantly complaining about the results of their own policies. And really they would prefer, especially um, at the leadership level, the political leadership level. They would prefer to insulate themselves from the results of their own policies. And again, that's not like that. If you're a conservative, you don't have that. Even, even, Even as there are plenty of hypocritical Republicans out there in elected office. But even for them, it's like, if you're a Republican and, and what do you say? You think, well, we should have police. We should have a strong police force. Uh, we should enforce the law. Uh, we want strong families. you know. It's like, and, and yes, those are the communities we'd actually want to live in. So you, you don't have any Republican who's out there saying that. But then he would never want to live in a community like that. No, I, I wouldn't want that kind of safety and stability for myself. Now, you might have plenty of Republicans who are talking about the, the family values and so on, and then they go off and they cheat on their wives. Like, that, of course, happens. But the general result, even someone like that, who talks about family values, cheats on their wife, personally a hypocrite. But when they say that, look, this is the way people should live and it'll make society better, they're, they're, they're right about that. It's true. Um, and that's kind of the difference here. Now, meanwhile, Cori Bush, and I just wanted to show you this before we move on, because she was uh, trying to change the subject, I guess, and get the heat off of her a little bit. So she tweeted this uh, yesterday, and I want to read this together, because it's a great example of how you can lie while telling the truth. And so let's put this tweet up from Cori Bush. She says, um, first she tweets, intimate partner violence can be deadly. Every single person deserves safety and peace in their relationship. Join us for this thing where we're talking about it. And then let's put up the, the little uh, thing here. She says, black women are three times more likely to die as a result of intimate partner abuse than white women. Okay, so that's what she tweeted. Now, that that's how you lie while telling the truth. So is is any of that inaccurate? No, that is statistically accurate. Black women are three times more likely to die from de- domestic abuse. That is a statistical reality. It's a very unfortunate statistical reality. But the implication is supposed to be that black women are victims of systemic racism. You know, that this is another example of the ways that black women are oppressed. Because what she doesn't mention is that, you know, like 95% of black women are, are, who are dating or married are with black men. Because guess what? Reality still does not track with what the, the advertising industry wants to pretend. And we all know that if you're watching a football game or whatever and the commercials come on, um, every commercial, if there's a couple, it's like all, almost always a biracial couple. And sometimes it'll be, you know, sometimes you get a black couple or an Asian couple. Um, if you see a white person, they're going to have, it, it, they're going to be in a biracial couple, but there's, but there's a lot of biracial couples in, in, the, adver- in the advertising world. If you, if you learned everything you knew about, about the world from, from advertising, you would assume that like 90% Of all marriages are biracial. But that's actually not the reality. And uh, in reality, races still generally, for the most part, marry and date within their own race. Which means that if black women are three times more likely to die from domestic abuse, that it follows that black men are three times more likely to kill their partners. That's what that means. And that's not just a semantic point, by the way. Okay, this is not a, uh, a, a, a you know cheap gotcha sort of thing. Like this is this is the real point, because the question is not why are black women dying from domestic abuse in higher numbers. That's not the question. We know what the answer to that question is, so we don't need. That's not a question. The real question is why are black men committing homicidal domestic abuse far more often than any other group according to the statistic that she herself just gave us only she just didn't frame it that way because it's all about the framing that's a question it's like that and that's what cory bush should be talking about and as a black woman herself you know if you actually cared about this issue and you weren't just using it to distract from your scandals and the fact that you're a corrupt moron in general this is what she'd be saying she would be saying you know there, there there we have a real problem in our own community this is what she as a black woman would be saying there's a real problem in our own community uh, of, of of black men killing their partners, and we need to do something about this. Like we, as a community, need to do something about this because this is our problem within our own community. But you can't do that because that would, you know, that would that would uh, involve some level of accountability and self responsibility and all these sorts of things that we just we can't we can't have any of that, obviously. Let's get to was Walsh wrong. <laughs> Your day is full of responsibilities. Between work and family, earning your degree may seem impossible. Grand Canyon University is here to help. They're an affordable, private Christian university dedicated to making education fit into your already busy, busy schedule. They offer over 330 academic programs, over 270 of which are available online. From scholarships to academic support, GCU's graduation team provides you with the personal support you need to reach your goals. GCU's online program offers you the freedom to earn your degree on your own time from wherever you are. GCU is praised for its culture of community, giving, and impact. They integrate the free market system and a welcoming Christian worldview into all of their academic programs. Achieve your goals with a personalized plan and a supportive team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. That's gcu.edu. Let's see. Schwar9560 says... We should get rid of universal voting, but I'm not going to say what we should replace it with or who should get to vote. Another courageous, edgy position from Matt. Um, I think I've, uh, I always love these comments from people. uh, There's been a lot of this recently where, you know, if I talk about a topic, uh, I guess I'm expected to say every possible thing about that topic every time I talk about it. It's like every segment of the show needs to be 17 hours long. I, I can never just say a couple things about it. I have to say, because if I say a couple things about a topic, but not all of the things, then the accusation will always come in. Well, why are you avoiding that part of it? Why don't you say anything about that? What about that aspect of it? Um, I've been talking about this issue with voting for years and years and years. I've many, many times have talked about what I think some good alternatives would be. Many times. I've talked, many, so many times. So many times that, that people who are, who are regular listeners are probably sick of hearing about it. Um, now, I'm not dogmatic about it. Like, I'm, I'm actually I'm very open-minded. You know, I'm, I am I think we need to get rid, of, get rid of universal voting. We need to have fewer people voting. Um, we, we need, that needs to be the result. And, I, and I'm very open to to many different suggestions for how to do it. I don't, I'm not attached to one particular plan. I think there's a lot of different ways we could do it. Uh, one thing I've talked about and other people have talked about is, is the idea of just having a simple 10-question civics test before, you know, when you're registering to vote, you just have to pass the test. Um... And it, literally fifth grade level, okay, is what we're talking about. And um, now, it, it, there are going to be plenty of people who are able to pass that test and still are not very competent people, but at least, at least you, you, that will rule out. I mean, the sad reality is, I think we all know this, that if, if you were to require a fifth grade le- level civics test, civics exam, uh, which maybe that doesn't, they, they don't even give civics tests in elementary school anymore. But if they did, it would be the level of el- elementary school civics test. Um and I think we all know that if if that was a requirement, that that would rule out like tens of millions of voters. We we would we would be down. I don't know how many would be left. Twenty million voters as a maximum. If that many, I don't know. We might be left with a million. Like that might rule out almost everybody. We we might be a, a million or under at that point. Um, but whatever it is, like we we have at least ruled out. The worst of the worst, and the people who obviously have no business voting and should have no right to vote. You know, if you're a grown adult with no grasp on our system of government and how it works, then you, you do not you should not have the right to vote. Um, so I'd be in favor of that. Uh, there are people who have talked about raising the voting age. You know, I, I'd be in favor of that. I mean, that's not enough, but that's one step. Do you do one vote per household? Do you only uh, only only um, you know people who are who are employed can vote. Taxpayers, I mean, there's issues with that because obviously someone who's retired should still be able to vote. So, there, but any one of these areas, I would be open to and open to exploring. Um, but of course, none of them are going to happen. That's that's the problem. Like, we're not even at the point of having that part of the conversation, because the first part I would love to have it. And we have had it, but the first part of it is just everyone agreeing, or at least a critical mass of people agreeing that our current system is suicidally insane, and it cannot go on this way. And there are a lot of people voting who should not have the right to vote, and we need to do something about that. And and if we can establish that, then we could talk about what to do as an alternative. Um, A Couple of comments about the daily cancellation yesterday. These Zoomers and younger millennials complaining about the older generations talking down to them have a point. The currency has been destroyed by fiat. It's a major problem that will soon lead to our collapse. The wealth has been transferred upward Mostly to the banking class, but also to boomers. It's like playing a game of Monopoly where everything else, everything goes to auction and everybody but you is getting free money. Is it possible to win? Sure, but pretending you're playing the same game is a ridiculous notion. People are sitting on houses they paid 30K for. They're now worth 750K. Nobody actually believes the real value of the home increased 25 times, but everybody pretends that they were just smart with money or harder working. Uh, The boomers and the bankers stole the world from us, from under us through inflation while we worked and paid for it. Even those of us who are relatively successful are nothing compared uh, compared apples to apples with similarly minded boomers. The system is unsustainable. Fiat currency must end. I don't, I don't really disagree with most of what you've said there. Um, and, I, and I have, again, we go back to, we can't say every single thing about every issue every time we talk about an issue. So, but but what boomers did to the country and the fact that, like, in every way, they are leaving behind a worse country than what they got. And, and, and you're, as a generation, your basic task, right, your basic obligation is to give a better country to your children than was given to you. And if you don't do that, then you have simply failed as a generation. You've failed in the one thing that matters. You haven't done it. And, um, and that's the case here. And, and I've talked about that a lot, and, and, and there's no denying it. My point is just, okay, like, yeah, all that is true, and it sucks, and it's not good, and it's not fun, and I don't like it. Um, now what? You know, it, and what I see is a, is a whole lot of sitting around and complaining over and over and over again, over and over and over again, just like the, the, the rehashing the same thing. The boomers did this, the boomers, like, yes, okay, but right. That, that's, I wish it didn't happen that way. It did, though. And so let's, what what now? Um, last comment says, Matt just doesn't get it. What the F is the point of working just to never be able to reach basic goals like home ownership and family? That video was not saying he expected anyone to help. He was just explaining why we've stopped giving an F and working hard. Okay, well, I mean, he was expecting someone else to help in the video. We kept hearing about, we've we've held up our end of the bargain. All right, you know, no. That, when you talk about your end of the bargain, which is a bargain that doesn't exist, okay, you're not making a bargain with the universe. Like, it doesn't work that way. But that means that, yeah, you expect like I've done my end, and someone come and give me something now. That, that's what he expects. Now it might not be. I'm sure people that say this don't have a clear idea of of who is going to give them what they want, or even what they want. Like, who's going to give it to them, and what are they giving? I, I think they don't have a clear idea of that, but. Yeah, they are definitely expecting someone to come along and do something for them. Um, but aside from that, you know, uh, we've stopped giving an F. We're, we're not going to work hard. Okay, so you'll just fail at life and, and nothing will get better for you at all. And things will only get worse and worse and then you'll die. Um, that's what you're choosing. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like All I can say is that that is, of all the possible options and ways to move forward, that clearly is the worst one, the, the one that guarantees a life of misery and failure, where you die alone and forgotten and contributed nothing to the world and achieve nothing, Like, to me, that is obviously the least desirable uh, outcome here. Um, so, yes, once we again have established all the ways that the world is terrible and all the ways that we got screwed and everything else, Um, Okay. My only point is uh, now, now it's time to table that, table that complaint. Like you got the complaint. You've made it. It's registered. We get it. Put it on a table somewhere. Put it on a shelf. Just leave it to the side and, and now go live your life. And, and you have to strive and work really hard. And, and maybe you will have to work harder than you should have to work. Maybe you'll have to work harder than the generation before you. But you just have to. That's That's it. Because the only other option, again, is failure and misery. Um, So those are your two options. You can work really hard and and try, uh, despite the odds, to succeed and to find some joy and fulfillment in life. You can do that. Or you can embrace misery and failure. There's no third option. That's it. That's all you get. And uh, I I guess I I have the radical view that, that it's the... Striving for fulfillment and happiness is, is the one we should be going for. I don't know. Well, guys, this is a no brainer. If you want to protect your kids from the leftist indoctrination that's rampant in the mainstream media, this is how you do it start a 14 day free trial to Bentkey, the new kids' entertainment app from the Daily Wire. Bentkey is the only streaming app that offers high quality, family friendly shows that reflect your values. Bentkey features amazing characters and timeless stories that will spark your kids' imagination and curiosity with hundreds of episodes that your kids will love and you can trust with new episodes streaming every Saturday morning. You may remember Saturday morning cartoons when you were uh, growing up. Well, they're back and better than ever. But don't take my word for it, see for yourself. You can try Bent Key for free for 14 days, no catch, no gimmick, no hidden fees, just awesome content your kids will love and you can trust. All you gotta do is use the code unlock at bentkey.com and you'll get 14 days of unlimited access to Bent Key's world of adventure. Go to bentkey.com, use code unlock at sign up to start your free trial today. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Did you know a baby's heartbeat uh, begins at just three weeks? At five weeks, you can hear it on an ultrasound. By six weeks, the baby's eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to move his or her hands. I'm telling you this because when a mother who is considering abortion is introduced to her child via ultrasound, when she hears the heartbeat for the first time, she's twice as likely to choose life. And that's how Preborn rescued 200 babies every day. They provide mothers with free ultrasounds so that they can meet the life that is growing inside them. Preborn needs our help. To save these precious souls for just 28 bucks you can sponsor an ultrasound and save a life. And if you become a monthly sponsor, you'll receive stories and ultrasound pictures that uh, of the lives that you help save. All gifts are tax deductible and 100% of your donation goes towards saving babies. To donate dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby that's pound 250 baby or go to preborn.com/walsh that's preborn.com/walsh. <laughs> Brian Johnson is a Silicon Valley millionaire who uh, made a lot of money in e-commerce and related industries. But if you've heard about this guy at all, you're most likely have heard of him because of his bizarre, increasingly bizarre and desperate attempts to stop himself from aging. He's the guy who was taking blood transfusions from his teenage son on the theory that his son's young blood will make him younger too or something. It's a scientific theory that he developed after watching the series Twilight, uh, presumably. But fortunately for his son, he has recently abandoned these uh, vampiric efforts because it turns out harvesting your child's life force is impossible. And the only thing it accomplishes is making you look like a freak. So Johnson has since moved on to other life extension techniques, most of which are sure to be just as pointless, if hopefully slightly less grotesque. Um, Johnson appeared on something called the Rich Roll podcast this week, where he offered his theories about life and human immortality for two and a half hours. But one particular moment from this conversation has gone viral. We're gonna play that clip in a minute. But before we do, just to set the stage, here is a different 15 second snippet right from the beginning of the video that I think gives a very good window into this guy and specifically into
2: the fact that he is basically full of crap. Watch. It's really simple. I basically don't trust anything in reality. Not authority, not my mind, not my perception, nothing. I just trust data and numbers. And the only thing I believe in is I don't want to die. Now, you notice right off the bat a few things. First of all, the guy's 46
1: years old. He's a multimillionaire tech bro whose single-minded obsession is avoiding death and aging. And yet he looks, if anything, older than he is. And and, and I know that criticism may seem kind of rich coming from me, coming from a guy who's 37 and looks like a 53-year-old shop class teacher. But the difference is that I'm not trying to look younger. In fact, I don't even understand why looking younger is considered automatically desirable, especially for men. You know, like, wh- why do you care about, as a, as a man, like, what do, you, what do you care about looking? If you're 46, just look 46. Why would you want to look? Why, at the age of 30, 46 as a man, why would you want to look 25, even if that was possible? But turns out that it's not. I mean, looking younger is a fool's errand, and if you try to look younger, you will inevitably just end up looking like a guy who is trying to look younger, which is the worst thing you can possibly look like. Now, as for the rest of what we saw and heard in that clip, it's the kind of empty-headed nonsense that passes for profound these days. You know, he says he doesn't trust anything in reality. Doesn't even trust his mind, bro. I don't even trust my mind, I don't trust anything. Trust nothing. But then he says that the only thing he does trust is data and numbers. Well, the problem is that data and numbers, Brian, exist in reality. And the only way you can access that information and understand it and interpret it and process it is with your mind. So in order to trust data and numbers, you will need to trust what exists in reality and your mind. So if you you trust data and numbers, that means you also trust your mind and your perception. Because the only way that you can access the data and numbers is through your mind and your perception. Which means that the statement, I don't trust anything in reality, I don't trust my mind, I just trust data and numbers, is in every sense meaningless. It's a statement with no content. The only thing that has any meaning is what he said at the very end, which is, I just don't want to die. Now, that part I believe, and I, and I understand it even. I, I don't want to die either. In fact, I am very much opposed to death. I'm against it. Like I object to it. I don't want, I don't want to do it. I don't want anyone I care about to do it either. But I will do it, and so will everyone I know and love, and so will Brian Johnson. And all of his biohacking efforts will be for naught. You know, they probably won't even extend his life by any measurable degree at all. It, 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 like, he's not going to live forever like he thinks. He probably isn't even going to live to 90. You know, Death is inevitable for everyone, and, and the thing that will ultimately determine the time and manner of your death will probably have a lot more to do with your genetics than the supplements you took. There's a reason why if you listen to any interview with someone who's like 105 or something, what do you notice about these, these people? When you, we've all heard the interviews of someone who's over the age of 100. Like, what's your secret? You notice something? They never say anything about the importance of vitamins or supplements or intermittent fasting or carbs or gluten or you know stealing your son's blood or anything like that. They never say any of that. Most of the time, they, they, they say that they smoke cigarettes and drank whiskey every day for 85 years. Which means that not only did they outlive all of the health-conscious health people, but they enjoyed their lives a lot more in the process, which is the best of both worlds. Whereas Brian Johnson has discovered the worst of both worlds. He's living what seems to be a pretty miserable life, consumed by his fear of, of the inevitable. And the chances are he's just going to end up dead and rotting in the ground before he hits 90, same as most of us. So that brings us to the clip that has gotten people's attention, but the, the setup here was necessary because we've established that this guy is full of crap, uh, he's consumed by vanity and fear, and he has nothing that even resembles wisdom to offer, which makes sense of this part. Listen.
2: We're right now in a moment, we at the last moment, where like things kind of have been where, how they have been, but they're about to change radically. And in this new future, we can't predict what's going to happen. We no longer have the ability. And so we're living in a zeroth world. And so Gen Zero is a group of multi-ethnic, multinational people who rise up and they say, we are willing to courageously step into the future and we're willing to divorce or open to divorce from ourselves all human norms, all human customs, all human thought and we're willing to say we're wide open about everything. Absolute blank slate.
1: Now, The first thing to note here is that there's nothing new about this idea. In many ways, this is classic Marxism. Many of the worst tyrants in recent history sounded exactly like this. As many people have already pointed out in response to this clip, Brian Johnson may as well be quoting Pol Pot at this point. And that's a problem for his worldview um, for a lot of reasons. One of them is that Johnson wants to divorce himself from the past, and yet he doesn't know anything about the past. He wants to do something new, but he doesn't know what anyone was doing before. So there's no way to know if the new thing is actually new, which in this case it isn't. So he wants to sound radically new and revolutionary, and instead he just ends up sounding like a communist from 60 years ago. But for a moment, let's ignore the fact that this radically new idea is uh, actually incredibly stale and rehashed. No matter how derivative they might be, uh, that doesn't change the fact that these ideas are also terrible. You know, divorcing yourself from human norms, from traditions and customs, and severing yourself from the past to the extent that such a thing is impossible is a recipe for crushing misery, despair, and decay. As we're discovering right now, in fact, Johnson, Johnson's vision is one of, of, of a race of people who are totally atomized and isolated, existing in a historical void with no connection to their own past in a sort of cosmic, soundproof sanitized booth where the voices of their ancestors and the traditions of the past cannot be heard. There's just nothing appealing or desirable about such a world. that, That is a world governed by ignorance, utterly devoid of wisdom, no sense of itself or its own place or its purpose. So just think about what it would be like to apply this logic in any specific circumstance in life. So imagine if you got into a car and then tried to forget everything you knew about cars, everything you've ever been taught about how to drive them, how to operate them, what they are, everything you've been told about, the rules of the road, You know, because all that came from the past, all that came from older people. And so if, throw all that out. On top of that, throw it out any any navigation device made by people in the past, throw all of that out. Clean slate, right? We're starting from the beginning. Well, what happens then? If you could succeed in creating this blank slate in your mind somehow, you'll just end up sitting in the driveway staring blankly ahead or else you'll pull out and you know uh, drive directly into a ditch at best you'll drive around in circles and end up back where you started that's because blank slate you know the blank slate approach leads to dysfunction and disaster in any specific circumstance in life which means that it'll lead to far greater dysfunction and far more disaster when applied to life itself now this is no surprise Pure, unadulterated vanity never leads anywhere good. And that's what drives this blank slate approach. It's the narcissism to assume that the past has nothing to offer you at all. That all the traditions and beliefs and ideas of your ancestors are not even worth considering. That all that came before you can be discarded and forgotten. And that you yourself, for some unknown and unexplainable reason, have it all figured out. It's like walking into somebody else's house and they try to tell you where the bathroom is. Because they've been living here and they know. And you say, nope, don't say anything. I just got here. I know my way around. I'll decide where the bathroom is. And then you go and piss in the closet or something. This is how Brian Johnson thinks we should approach life. And because he has no original ideas, what he doesn't realize is that this is how our culture already approaches life. We've basically done the thing that he's saying we should do. Look around. Where is the utopia that was supposed to come with it? nowhere to be found. Just like Johnson's supposedly youthful looks, it's a mirage. And that is why Brian Johnson is today canceled. That'll do it for the show today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed.
0: With plans that include unlimited miles, road trips have never been easier. Plus, you get exclusive access to CarShield's concierge service as well as 24-7 roadside assistance and help with flat or damaged tires, lockouts, and rental car options. Call CarShield to speak with an expert here in the U.S. that can answer all your questions and get you a free quote in minutes. Don't wait another minute. Visit CarShield now before a breakdown happens and you get stuck with an expensive repair bill. Save 20% and get your free quote by going to CarShield.com slash Shapiro now. That's CarShield.com slash Shapiro to save 20% today.